Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Do you want to become an author? What are the steps that one must take or the tools one needs to become an author? Blind author Patty Fletcher is here to answer these questions and tell us how she spoke out for successes in publishing her work. Patty is the author of two books, Bubba Tales from the Puppy Nursery at the Seeing Eye and Campbell's Rambles, How a Seeing Eye Dog Retrieved My Life. Also joining us are two additional blind authors. They are J.E. Pinto and Phyllis Campbell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Glad to have you all here. Let's get to know everybody first. Let's start by each of you telling us about how you all became blind. I became blind at birth. It happened shortly after my birth. I was born premature, a month and a half, received too much oxygen in the incubator. And then in 1990, I had some usable vision. And in 1991, I had a cataract surgery and developed an infection, which caused the pressure to go up in my eyes. And within 48 hours, what little bit of usable vision I had was gone. So all of that vision was gone. Now, how about you, Phyllis and J.E.? I was blind from birth, completely blind from the oxygen in the incubator. That was in 1971, and they didn't know about silver nitrate in the eyes and all the vision-saving things that they do now for premature babies. I was born prematurely, too, but I didn't have the same experience. They had, I was born way back many years ago. I was born at home. The doctor said, this child's not going to live, and this child's still here. But well, my, I had that experience, too. But. <laughs> my, my optic nerve failed to develop properly because I was a mature baby. I was an eight-month baby. It's interesting. We were all three premature. But yet mine was different from the rest of the ladies. So all of you have had some unique Becoming Blind experiences. We're here to learn about how the three of you became authors. How did you all decide to become authors? This is Phyllis. I don't know that I actually started thinking about why I wanted to become an author. I have always been a prolific reader. I started writing, actually, when I was back in school. I won a couple contests, and I didn't actually start to write books. I started selling shorter pieces in the 60s, and my first book sale uh, was in the 80s. I have been, as I say, writing short things since the 60s. My next book sale was in the 90s. I have six book titles altogether. Two of them are from so-called conventional publishers, and the rest are e-books. 
I looked on Amazon and I saw you had a lot of books. Wow. Well, I talk a lot, so that's why I write a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. I knew that I wanted to write ever since I was very small. I remember my dad reading me a book about Osceola, the Indian, the Seminole Indian chief. And I was really sad when it was over. And I said, well, it's all done. And he said, well, we could turn around the book and read it again. I knew then that I wanted to write. I didn't know that I wanted to write books, but I knew I wanted to write something. Then I was in a high school English class, and I had to write a short story. And I came up with some characters and wrote the story and, and got an A and fell in love with these boys, these characters, because they were very real to me. And so I put the story away and didn't really think about it, but but these characters were still in my mind. Years later, I needed to learn how to use a computer, and so I took the story out and typed it into the word processor. This was way before the Internet. This was in the 90s. The story wasn't all that good. It was amateurish, but the characters were alive. So I typed it into the computer and started moving things around and deleting and adding and cutting paragraphs and doing all, and it got better. The writing got better. I showed it to my husband at the time and ended at a really sad place, and he said, you can't leave those guys like that. What happens to them? I played the what-if game, and I said, well, what if? And so I kept writing. It grew, and I added to it and, and went on with my life, and it became a novel. That's kind of how it kind of happened by accident. But life takes you where you do. And I tried to shop it around to publishers, and people said, well, this is really good, but it doesn't fit with what we do, or it doesn't fit with our genres, or it doesn't quite fit our niche. So I ended up self-publishing it. Amazon as a Kindle and a paperback and an audio and just going my own way with it, which is kind of how I roll. And so that's how it happens. For me, I guess if I really wanted to talk about when I decided I wanted to write, I started out as a storyteller. And when I was growing up, I needed a way to be popular when I was in public school. And I found out I had this gift of telling stories. And so everybody wanted me at their slumber parties and their campouts because I could keep everybody entertained when we ran out of mischief to get into. And we won't talk about that. That's a book by itself. But anyway, um, I, when I was in the sixth grade, I began to learn to type at the Tennessee School for the Blind. It was a requirement. My mom said, you got to have a typewriter. I got a typewriter for Christmas, and I was in heaven. And I sat down at the table and put in a piece of paper and said, okay, I have to do something with this paper. And I sat there, and there was candy sitting beside me, homemade candy, the coconut balls that my mom used to make. And I picked one up and started to eat it and thought, wonder what it'd be like if these things grew and became alive. And we live next to a chemical plant in our town, and my dad worked for it. And we were always talking about what the chemicals might do to us. So I wrote a story just off the top of my head in a couple of hours about this coconut ball that became gigantic and alive and took over my town due to a chemical spill. And that was what 
first experience with writing, and my mother went, this is awesome, and she helped me edit it, and I published it in a school paper and won a prize, and I knew ever since then I wanted to write. I was looking at Jane Friedman's website, janefriedman.com. She's worked in the publishing industry for 20 years. Jane talks about three main paths to getting a book published. first path is landing a traditional publisher that will offer a book contract. The second path is hiring a service to help publish the story. And the third path is to self-publish the book. What steps did you guys take? This is Patty. I did the self-publishing all the way. I had read, and I actually follow that site that you referenced. I um, read all the different ways to publish, and I didn't want to do traditional publishing, and I didn't want to hire an agent. I didn't want to give over control like that. So what I did is I decided what I wanted to write, and I began to write it, and I knew there were going to be visual challenges, and so I immediately went out and began to interview editors and hired an editor before I ever finished the novel. That's how I began, and I self-published through CreateSpace. How did the three of you decide to pick the genres for your books? Because Jane Friedman says that one of the steps in determining your is is determining your category or genre of book. Well, I think I think you just write what what you write. Uh, I think if they say it constantly, write what you know best. I heard it put, and I think it is very very important. You write what you will implode if you don't write. You write what is burning inside of you. You write what your passion is. And mine doesn't exactly fit neatly into... It was hard for me to pick a category exactly on Amazon's genre list. And that oh, that's was, terrible. It's terrible? That list is terrible, terrible. to try it to pick terrible. it. That was partly why I shopped around for a traditional publisher for a while. And then when my mom died very suddenly, I quit shopping around for a traditional publisher because you don't know how long you have on this planet. And it was very shocking when she died suddenly. And I decided, you know what? I need to do this. And so I decided to self-publish and quit screwing around and just do it because I wrote what I was passionate about. And I didn't just try to stuff it into a genre because it's kind of partly young adult and it's kind of partly inspirational and it's kind of partly coming of age. And I didn't pick a genre before I started writing. I just wrote. And that was a lot of traditional publishers and a lot of agents said, hey, this is really good, but what genre would we put it into? And that was I just why attended, I just I attended the writers, I just publisher. attended the writers conference and the best advice that I had while I was at the writers conference was begin to write and figure it out as you go. Do not put yourself in a pigeonhole. And while the site that you're referencing is very good, and I, like I said, I follow her blog, etc., but I don't like to be put in a box, 
and I'm finding more and more people do not want to be put in a box, and that is why self-publishing is exploding like it is. Mm -hmm. So what I recommend to people, and especially blind people, if you want to make that the topic here of blind authors, do not put yourself in a box. Don't overthink it. Do it. Make it happen. And as you come along, you're going to find obstacles. You can overcome those obstacles. We're all living proof of that. Our books are out there. I did most of it myself. I'm a proofreader, so I proofread. I did hire a professional editor, and I had some good tips from that, and I recommend that for everybody because I'm a professional proofreader, and I still missed a few things. But I hired someone to do the cover because blind people are not really good at cover design by nature. I had some ideas. I directed her to do what I wanted her to do. I didn't just say, draw me a cover, but I did hire the cover, and I did hire a professional editor to go over it with a a fresh set of eyes, but then I did the rest because I wanted control over how it came out, and then I went on Create Space with a sighted person who I paid $30 and a loaf of banana bread to do the... (laughs) To do the formatting, visual, how's it going to look on the page. What are ways that our listeners can network with fellow authors for advice? The biggest way is internet is your best friend. Social media is really great. I recommend three things. One, be active. Pick your social media platform. Find what you're comfortable with and get good at it. I recommend being a presence somewhere, and if you aren't good at it, find a PA, find a promotion assistant, and let them help you be a presence on social media. If possible, join author groups, join an email list. we got to talk about some of your books now, because people are going to want to check them out. The three of you have had several books published, as mentioned earlier. Patty? One of your books is called Bubba Tales from the Puppy Nursery at the Seeing Eye. This is a love-filled and magical story. It's kind of like your Benji or Disney's Homeward Bound kind of tale. I hope one day that it just knocks Benji and Homeward Bound right out of the ballpark. I'm sorry. They've had their limelight in my Bubba I have to just tell you really quick how that came to be, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I'll make it very brief. Okay. On Mother's Day a few years back, I needed something to do that was positive because I could not be with my family for reasons we won't get into here. And I sat down and I said, what can I do? And I was petting my seeing eye dog and I said, Bubba, mommy needs something to do today. And it was in my mind, just that quick, let's write about what it was like for Campbell to become a seeing-eye dog. And in eight hours, I had hit my first draft. J.E., you published a book called The Bright Side of Darkness. Amazon says that this book answers an important question. What is a family? How does the book answer that question? Well, it's family is not always bloodlines. Family, this book is about mentoring. It's about what if 
we all, instead of complaining about the world the way it is, decided to reach out to other people who are struggling in whatever ways we could and make something better for another person every day. Phyllis, now I get to talk to you about your books because your books focus on your life, but you use fictional characters. Amazon says that you've published a number of stories, including Where Sheep May Safely Graze, Out of the Night, and A Place to Belong. What are these books about? Well, they are quite different. Uh, actually, let me say that two of my books are on BARD. They're part of the NLS program, so anyone that wants to read them, uh, Friendships in the Dark, which is a memoir, and Come Home My Heart, they were my first two books, which were traditionally published. And the ones that uh, are on Amazon that you see, Where Sheep May Safely Graze, of course, is a novel which deals with a chaplain who was blinded in Iraq, and it tells the story of his adjustment, his adjustment with his wife, Amy, and how they were more or less pushed out of the big church that they were both serving and ended up in a little rural area. I strive with all my books to take the sighted world into the world of the blind. I like for the sighted world to realize that we are definitely people. We know we're people, but the sighted world does not, quote, see, quote, us as we are. And I like for them to see that we have problems, and they're much the same as other people's problems. They're different, of course, but underneath, they're the same. A Place to Belong deals with a young woman, a teenager, whose parents, her father was dead, her mother was a socialite, a pusher into her job situation, more or less dragging this poor kid along behind her until the child lost her sight. And then that was a big problem for mommy, who had recently married the boss, and the girl ended up in a rural area with her grandmother. My work often goes to rural areas because I love the farming areas. I love the people in the country. Then my mystery, Who Will Hear Them Cry, is also deals with a young woman who lost her sight. She was a detective in a small town detective agency, and she was blinded by a psychopath who had warned her, don't go to court today, do not go, do not say that my son did so-and-so and so-and-so, do not testify against him. And she went, of course, because she had no idea when she got this phone call that this person was serious. So he he blinded her, killed her husband and her unborn baby. And this is the story of how she came back how she solved a mystery at a school for disabled children <laughs> out of the night. That's sort of a supernatural book, which definitely deals with the issue of blind women and especially blind women back in the 1800s. It 
deals with a spirit who comes back because she cannot rest. She wants to be, she wants to be fulfilled. How can our listeners check out your works, buy your works, learn more about you all? For me, the best thing that anybody can do is go to my website, and this is, there is no apostrophe, Campbell's World is all one word, dot wordpress dot com, and you will find more than you ever want to know about me there, and um, that is the best way, and if they want to contact me, patty, P-A-T-T-Y, dot volunteer, V-O-L-U-N-T-E-E-R, the number one at gmail.com. And my book, Campbell's Rambles, How a Seeing Eye Dog Retrieved My Life, is on NLS. And Bubba Tales, T-A-I-L-S, from the Puppy Nursery at the Seeing Eye, is on Amazon, Smashwords, etc. And it is accessible with the text-to-speech. Um, my email is J-O-P-I-N-T-O at msn.com and my author website on amazon.com is author slash J-E-P-I-N-T-O. Um, I'm also on Facebook at author J.E. Pinto. Um, my book is The Bright Side of Darkness, and it's available on Amazon.com in Kindle, paperback, and audio formats. It's also on Audible.com in an audio format, and it's um, on text. It's on Kindle. You can listen to it on on Kindle. Um, I'm still working on getting it on Bard and Bookshare. That's not happened yet, but it will. Phyllis? Mine, you can go to my author page on Amazon. It's Amazon.com slash author slash PSC dash books dash all and you can see my books there uh you can uh also go to bard and two of my books come home my heart and my memoir friendships in the dark you will find there i can be contacted at p c a m p b e l l 1 6 at V-E-R-I-Z-O-N dot N-A-T. Very good. We're going to put these up on the Speaking Out for the Blind website. Everybody, we hope that our listeners will follow your advice and become the best and brightest authors out there with the opportunity to speak out in the written form. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, 
or follow me on Twitter at SpeakOutBlind or SpeakOutForTheBlind. You can also check out my website. That's SpeakingOutForTheBlind.Weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Tired of the same old survival reality shows that aren't too real? Then join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview real famous and inspirational blind individuals and other specialists about a real wide variety of topics, providing you with real steps to achieve your dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern and replays throughout the day on Thursdays on ACB Radio Mainstream. Happy listening! The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at T-Tobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. Yeah.